Okay, you guys ready? All right, you guys ready in the other room? I'm going to just trust in faith that you guys are ready. All right. Word. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, good morning. God bless you guys. So glad to share with you this morning. Let's pray for a moment that we are ready to engage with the word. Because I don't want you to just hear a person wah, 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 wah talking. I want your spirit to catch what the spirit is saying. Amen? Catch what the spirit is saying. Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for what you have spoken and what you're speaking. We thank you for the concert of prayers that have been ascending and I thank you that you answer. You hear them and you respond to them. We thank you, O oh God, that you are the God who hears us and who responds. We thank you, Lord, today for your word. Help us receive what you have for us, that we might stay in alignment with your word and walk and order our lives according to the truth and commands and instructions of heaven. May we be wise. May we be wise. May we understand what the will of the Lord is. May we redeem time because days are evil. Lord, teach us to walk wisely, to be filled with the Spirit. Lord, we commit this time to you. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to us. I pray, God, that you just let your words come out of these lips. In the name of Jesus, amen. It's been a pretty intense week, weekend. By the way, thank you everybody who supported the youth by coming out to the fundraiser. It was amazing, and then camp itself in Maine was amazing. Like God released what we call like a glory bomb. <laughs> Like, really, it was so powerful. The team that went and the youth that were there, everybody encountered God in a profound and powerful way. Like, really, people were marked. And uh, it led to not only just cool experiences with God, it led to deep conviction and repentance and physical healings and people being set free and filled with the spirit afresh and getting deep hunger for God, being cut deeply, reoriented because they got a glimpse of him in a fresh way. It was so powerful. And, uh, but they came back Monday night, our prayer furnace gathering, and it was just a rumble of testimony after testimony for two straight hours of raw and real powerful testimonies. And it was just beautiful. That is a work of God in the hearts of people. So powerful. And we want to continue to fan that into flame in our young people, but in our own lives, and stay hungry. Stay hungry for what God has for us. We're in a season of divine encounter. We've been in a season of divine alignment and repentance and preparation, right? God is meeting with us. He's setting things in order so that we can be a place of glory where his presence can rest and we can be prepared to serve the harvest of people coming into the family of God. Amen? It's good. I want to talk today about the law of reaping and sowing. I think it's pretty important in light of where we are, and I want to bring this into a, there's a lot could be talked about in this, but I want to bring this into a specific focus around growing strong in the spirit, learning to live in victory, to live in an overcoming life, 
You know, number one, God is into multiplication. Come on, God is into reproduction. That's what's up, and we're in a season, right? Uh, yeah, Kebby, I saw your hand go up. 12 or 14 kids? 14 kids. You are a sign and wonder, my love. You are a sign and wonder. Come on, everybody applaud for that woman right now. <laughs> Thank you for obeying the command to be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> Come on, everyone else say, yes, Lord, me too. Yes, Lord. Yeah, thank you for your yes, Kevin, you and your husband. Listen, we are in a season where God is preparing us for multiplication. God is about expansion. The kingdom is about expansion. It's about increase. The kingdom is not stagnant. It does not stay put. The church is not meant to be a fruitless vine. Even when you go through seasons of pruning, remember God's divine intention. It is to bear more fruit. It is unto greater multiplication. It is for more works to be done. It is for greater glory to his name. Amen? God is intending to add to us, accelerate us, and do exceedingly abundantly more than we could even ask for, think of, pray for, or imagine. This is true. God intends to increase his people. He intends to increase you and increase us. That's always been God's plan from the beginning. And to those that have been faithful... In this season and in the past seasons, see, the eyes of the Lord have watched. He has seen how you have responded, how you've been faithful with the little things he's given to you or the big things that he's given to you. God requires stewardship, amen? And it says to those that have done well, he actually gives more to. And those that have not done well, he may even take what you have and give it to those that have done well. That's what God does. That's what God does. He does not reward laziness. He does not reward distractions. He doesn't. He disciplines it and then teaches us to man up, to woman up, and learn how to be stewards. Right? And we can't be discouraged or despise the discipline of the Lord. We need to learn to love it. We need to learn to kiss the hand that wounds us. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. That's why Jesus said, blessed. Happy is the person who's not offended by me. Come on, say, Jesus, I don't want to be offended by you. Because he will affirm you and kiss you and love you, but he will stick it to you, friend. He will tell you the truth without partiality. And often, he will offend your mind to test your heart. Trials, presser, pressures, confrontation, hardships are all meant to train you, equip you, test you, refine you. Hopefully with the goal to promote you or to humble you and allow you to be led to repentance and realignment so that you can actually grow. Because God does not want us to grow in a place of dysfunction and misalignment. Right? Just like working out. The first thing you got to work on is what? Anyone know? Form, technique, proper structure and alignment. You can't add weight. You cannot add weight on things that are misaligned because it will break it. It will hurt it. It will injure it. And God is not out to exasperate us or hurt us. Now, if we in our presumption press forward and want to do our own thing and will not, if we're going to be self-willed and stubborn, God will let you have your way. God will let you hurt yourself. He will. He'll give you your persistent, stubborn desires. And then he'll say, how's that working for you? 
How's it working for you? How's that taste? How's that feel? Terrible, right? Good. Then stop being an idiot and return to wisdom. <laughs> I want what's best for you, but you got to choose it. Life and death are before you. Life and death are before you. It's that simple. There's only two paths, friend. The way of the world and the way of Christ. Period. There's no middle ground. And if you think there is, you're probably in the way of the world and deluded. That's the truth. You probably have not let the word of God really shine light on your life. You've concocted your own religion so that you can have some form of peace and security that's false. And not rooted in the security of walking by faith in submission to a living God. Because to follow God means that my life is not mine. I forfeited my rights. I live for someone else's will, not mine. Have you surrendered your will? Truth. Listen, it is in our very DNA, in our design. In fact, God has commanded with a blessing. I love it. When God gives a command and then blesses the command and blesses those that obey that, that we would be fruitful and multiply. He's done that for creation. He's done that for mankind, that we would reproduce after our own kind. God has wired into creation seed-bearing plants and trees with fruits, with seed in it, in abundance, so that everything has this powerful, innate, God-given ability to reproduce, to propagate, to beautify, to enhance. Abundance is his purpose. That's why one acorn has the potential of an entire forest. A potential. Potential is the key here, though. It's only a potential. Right? And this whole, what we see in Genesis and creation with this hardwiring for multiplication and expansion, you know, it's a prophetic shadow and a symbol of the things to come. And all of his ways are perfect. For every action, there is reaction. There is a law of reaping and sowing. We see this in all creation. We see this in the seasons of the earth. We see this in ecology, how God has wired everything to work together to feed each other. The snow and the rain water the earth and don't return in the same way that it came, right? We see things are sown, other things are born, right? In the same way, the word of the Lord will go forth. And God says, it will accomplish the very purposes and reasons for which I sent it. It will accomplish what I want. And instead of thorn bushes, it's going to grow juniper. And instead of the briars, myrtle, and life will grow. God transforms things, and he does things by sowing his word. And he says he does this for his own renown as an everlasting sign, and it will endure forever. The law of sowing and reaping is forever. And God is the God who wants return on his investments. God is looking for fruit. God is looking for fruit. That's why in John 15, our lovey-dovey Savior Jesus says, if you don't bear fruit, I'll cut you off. Jesus, who loves me, said, if you're not bear fruit, dry branches, I will cut off. And they will eventually be thrown to the fire. Behold the severity and the kindness of God. But then he also says, you fruitful branches, woo, I'm going to prune you. <laughs> That's going to hurt. <laughs> but you're going to bear more fruit. But listen, you also can't bear any fruit by yourself. 
You can't do this on your own. You can't do it on your own. Abide in me. I will cause you to bear fruit. Right? Life comes from him. He gives. Right? Seed that is sown into the ground. The acorn must be placed into the ground in order to produce the harvest. In order for real return, for multiplication, for increase to come, it must be placed in the ground or else it remains alone. The gospel teaches us this. Jesus in John 12 says and reminds us, listen, if a seed remains alone and fails to die, is not sown, it is not fully given, it, it will abide alone. But if a seed falls to the ground and dies, it will spring up and multiply more. In the same way, he goes on to say to the listen, for if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you want to find life, you have to die. No one is greater than their master. If you're going to follow me, you're going to be with me where I am. So come follow me. I think Sean quoted it the other week. I love it. Out of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. It is a leaving of the old to embrace a new life lived for him. It's pretty powerful. You know, and in 1 Corinthians 15, again, it illustrates this principle of sowing. It says, what we sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow... You do not plant the same body that it will be. It's just the seed. What you give may not return in the same way, may not look the same. Jesus, who sowed his life into the ground, crucified, buried, he was resurrected, not the same, friends. Jesus was also the firstborn amongst many brethren. He was the firstborn amongst the dead. We are too to follow in his pattern, to follow him, to die with him. We might also live with him, right? We are called to be conformed to his image. You get it? You and I are called to be just like Jesus. The Bible says if you claim to know him, you ought to walk just like he walked. That's, that's the standard, friends. That's what you're called to, to walk as he walked. That's what it says. And the scriptures say that he's using everything for good for those that love him, who are called according to his purpose. That those that he's foreknown, he's also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. This is God's plan on what he's doing in all of our lives. If we all the more participate with him and keep in step with the faith. If we hold fast to the truth. Right? But there's a problem here. We're, we're meant to be bearing fruit. We're meant to be growing in the knowledge of God. We're meant to, our life's meant to be more and more increasingly looking like Jesus. Moving in power. Moving in greater grace and greater peace, having greater love, greater patience, greater self-control, abounding in good works, genuine love and service to people. That's meant to be part of our reality. But we see a problem where we're not bearing fruit and where we're being unfruitful in the knowledge of him. But we've got to ask why. Why are we getting stuck? What are we running into? What's going on? Why all the cycles? Anyone ever ask that? <laughs> why do you keep hitting walls? And let me say one thing, you know, the scriptures talk about hearing the word of God. If we don't marry what we hear, if God is sowing his word and he promises for the purposes that he sent it to bring it to pass. And yet we're seeing a disconnect in the reality of our life. What's the problem? He says, if you don't marry with faith, the word that you're hearing, the word will profit you nothing. 
If I don't practice the truth, if I don't obey out of the place of faith, it's going to happen. Okay? The scriptures also say this. Do not sow among the thorns. Do not sow seed among the thorns. The land of your heart, the land of your life must be cleared and prepared before planting. We're meant to break up the foul ground. Identify the hardened places. You see in Isaiah 2, it says that Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, there's four different types of soil that the seed is sown on. Some falls along the path, some falls along rocky soil, some thorny soil, and some good soil. The measure of fruit or return on investment is determined by the quality of the soil. And you and I are meant to take with all diligence guard of our own heart. To take the truth and apply it to our life. To take our faith and cause it to us to rid ourselves of all that is contrary to the truth of who we are. You know, 2 Peter tells us that we're to add to our faith or build into our faith. Build into our lives virtue. And other things. But we get stuck. Because when we don't practice truth. When we don't take the time to actually meditate on the truth. In the place of prayer and communion. People are so busy. They don't actually take time to behold him. To meditate on the word. They read a quick proverb and go on with their day. Preparing the soil of your heart takes repentance. It takes time. It takes beholding. We fail to remember also that we've been cleansed from our former sins. And that we're, we're trying to operate out of a place of still guilt and bondage. And we're still fighting for freedom and forgetting the fact that we have freedom in Christ. We have victory in Christ. He has set me free. I have been brought to fullness. I am seated in Christ in heavenly places. He has forgiven me. My debt has been paid. I don't need to perform. I don't need to keep working. Working. I need to remember that he has cleansed me. He's removed every obstacle. I need to align with that truth and begin to live into the truth. Or we get stuck because we've somehow made peace with a lie or made peace with sin and given the devil a foothold in our lives. And the enemy's plan is to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. And any place that we agree with a lie, we've given a lie power in our life to corrupt everything. Whatever I present myself a slave to obey, I am a slave to. Either of sin leading to unrighteousness and death, or I'm either a slave to righteousness leading to life and more holiness. This is what scripture says. This is where we get stuck. There may be demonic attachments holding you back, but then there's just other dynamics where we are not doing our part to take the gospel truth and let it be worked into our life. Change happens as we behold the glory of God. You gotta ask yourself, how does change happen? We had a great conversation about this the other night. How does change happen? You gotta think about it. How does change happen? How does real growth in God actually happen? You know, I love what 2 Corinthians 3.17 says. That we are meant to come with an unveiled face to behold the very glory of the Lord as though in a mirror. And the Spirit himself transforms us into the same image that I behold. From glory into glory. Faith into the next measure of faith. Strength into the next measure of strength. This is important. Because real transformation is a work of God, not a work of man or the flesh. It's not a work of your own strength. It is not self-help. Your own flesh, your own abilities cannot change your heart. If that was the case, Christ died for nothing. 
So stop trying to fix yourself. Christ doesn't want to fix you. He killed you. When Christ died, you died. That's what it says. That's what it says. That's what it says. We have to start our journey when we think about growing, when we think about going back to the basics, when we think about going to the next place in God, preparing our life, not only for the season, preparing our life to be pleasing in His sight, preparing our life as a bride, a people prepared for the Lord, ready for His coming. A people that are be his witnesses in the earth, but ready for him. You're being prepared for another age, friends. Not just the here and now. It's not just about your best life now. If you have hoped in Christ in this age alone, you are most to be pitied, as Paul says. Our hope is not in this life alone. Yes, we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Yes, eternal life is now because it's about knowing him. Eternal life is to know him. But friends, there is a blessed hope of an age to come when Jesus comes. There is an eternal rest. The final salvation is the redemption of your body, the purchased possession. (laughs) The adoption isn't even complete yet. Do you realize that? The adoption is then. You just have a seed and token of it now by the Spirit. You're still waiting in hope for a fullness to come. But oh, you must endure to the end. Oh, you must cleanse yourself. It says, he who has this hope purifies himself just as he himself is pure. We have a responsibility to partner, to know how to sow to the spirit. And we have to start from this place of vision, knowing that and settle in our soul this absolute sufficiency of the cross and the resurrection of Christ. You got to realize that Jesus truly is enough. What he's provided really is enough. We can't do anything apart from him. But in him, we can do all things. In him, we can do all things because he strengthens us by his spirit. The power of God works in those who believe. The question is, do you believe or do you not believe? That's the real question. We say we believe things, but we more parrot theology and concepts, but our heart is still full of unbelief. This is why Hebrews exhorts us. Let there not be found in you an evil heart of unbelief. Do not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It will deceive you, rob you, take your lunch and blind you from the power and victory and life available now in the cross. We must believe the truth. And when you believe the truth, the truth sets you free. That's the truth. When you can see it and actually believe it, place your hope upon it, reliance upon it. Boom. Power strikes your spirit. The root system of unbelief is gone. The umbilical cord to your old life is ripped off, cut, and you can now live a new life in the power of the Spirit before God. You're not attached to the old. You're not identifying with the old anymore. You're identifying with who you really are in Christ. The church has a big identity crisis. I can't tell you how much pastoral counseling I do, and I hear so much ranting about people's sin and issues, and you know what? They're still identifying with their issues. They're still living under law and performance and trying to fight sin on their own as if though they could. It's like, what are you doing? Paul makes it very clear. Yeah, you want to serve God, but you do what you hate. What's the difference? Ah, I do what I don't want to do. God help me. Well, he says, there's another law working in you. I realize it's not just me. It's actually sin in me. It's not me. It's sin in me. 
Who can deliver me from this body of death that's subject to sin? Thanks be to God that Jesus Christ did. That's why there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk in the spirit and not the flesh. But there's a way that we learn to keep in step with the spirit. We have to believe the truth of what he's actually done for us. Listen, there is spirit-empowered discipline, and there's also moments of time of divine encounters that thrust you forward into a new place. But there's also the steady flow of the influence of God's grace as we abide in him and his word. Because whether I see it or feel it, God's at work. Whether I see it or feel it, the grace of God is at work in me to will and to do according to his good pleasure. That's good news. God's always at work. My faith has to acknowledge that. And the more I behold him, the more I wrestle with the truth, the more I discipline myself unto godliness, the more I position myself to let grace touch me. I train myself to be godly. That's part of our responsibility. But we do it from a spirit-empowered place of discipline and self-control, not mere human striving. I discipline myself out of love and gratitude with grace in my hand. Not striving on my own to earn or gain something. No, I'm just learning to position this weak, frail body before the truth and let the radiance of his power fill my frame. Because the body that's subject to death and sin is weak. But the spirit gives life to my mortal flesh. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. What? The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. I don't think y'all believe it. Dwells in you if Christ is in you. That's crazy. It's part of the mystery. Christ inside of you, the hope of glory. You were destined for glory, friends. You were meant to be raised in glory, raised in power, raised in strength, raised in honor and beauty. And it comes through sowing, through weakness. It, it comes by sowing your life in faith. We have to have utter reliance on the spirit of God. This is the new covenant reality. Can I just boast on Jesus for a moment? Come on, the new covenant reality. It says that there's ever-increasing glory. The old covenant that had a glory. There was so much glory, Moses had to veil his face because his face was shining. Because he saw the very glory of God face to face. He spoke to God face to face as a man speaks to a man. You and me in the new covenant have something better. Most of you don't believe that. You don't know what we really have. You're bewitched. And therefore, you don't behold the glory of the new covenant and what Christ has made available through the ripping of the flesh. Through the dying of the cross, he gave us access to the very throne of God that we can come with confidence and behold majesty, behold splendor, behold beauty and holiness. And that light is meant to fill your being and stun you, change you, fundamentally transfigure your being. The new covenant has ever-increasing glory. The old covenant had a glory that fades, and it says it's actually a ministry of condemnation. The reason you feel bound is because you're still living under law. You still feel condemned because you're just trying to live up to a standard of this, 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 and this. Rather than drinking from the grace of God and the power of God that makes you live into the fullness of what he's always intended in the first place. Man, he's given us a new heart and a new spirit that wants to love him, that wants to obey him, that wants to do his will. That's part of the new covenant. The problem was the weakness of our flesh. 
Jesus removed that, circumcised that body of flesh at the cross that we can now live in the spirit. He says, I've given you a new heart. I've written my laws on you. I've put them in you. Learn to live from that truth. He writes his word on our heart. The promises that your children, his, our children will be taught of the Lord. This is incredible. Now we could get into this whole theological dynamics of the work of the flesh, the work of the spirit, what's really happened at the crucifixion, which we need to. Man, I want to tell you, feast on the word of God, guys. Feast on the word of God. Be students of the scriptures. See what it says. Stick your face in the law of liberty and let it change you. And don't be double-minded. Look at it and say, that's me. That's mine. Claim every single promise by faith. Everything that he's given you, you've got to claim is yours. You've got to claim it as yours. Faith activates the word of God to have power in your life. If you don't believe it, it's just words. Wah, 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 wah. It's going to smack your hard head all day. You want it to start massaging your heart and transforming you from the inside out? You need to believe the word. Rely upon the word. Sing about the word. Thank God for the word. Thank God for the promise. That's just part of it. Okay? Woo! We have to learn to boast in weakness. Not hide it. We're meant to literally be naked and unashamed and expose ourselves to the radiance of the sun. We're meant to behold him and his light, his glory transforms us. We're meant to live a life free of condemnation. If there's guilt because things that we have done wrong, then the scriptures are very clear how to appease that, how to deal with that. Not by doing good works or trying to do better. It's by repenting, renouncing your sin and receiving cleansing by the blood of Jesus. He sets you free. He cleanses your conscience that you can have confidence before God and man again. Sowing and reaping happens through faith. Reliance on him and in relationship with him. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 9 says, remember this. Verse 6. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And it goes on to say that, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and in all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, in this context, he's talking about finances, but the principle goes so beyond that. The principle of sowing goes so beyond that. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow abundantly, you will reap abundantly. We want to reap abundantly. That's what we're called to, right? The question is, you'll have as much of God as you want. And in fact, you already do. But you can have more because you're meant to multiply. You're meant to increase. You're meant to grow. And not have more as if though God hasn't given himself to you completely. I'm talking about your experience. Your relational experience with Jesus. Because he's given you everything in Christ already. Come on, say, I have everything in him. Not when you get better, guys. Not when you become more righteous. Everything is yours now. Right now. You need to really think on that deeply. Because that informs how you embrace your journey of progress and sanctification. That changes how you worship. That changes how you prepare your life. It really does. The scriptures are clear. In Galatians 6, it says, God will not be mocked. God is not unjust. A man will reap what he sows. Listen, it says, if you sow to the flesh, from the flesh you will reap destruction. Now listen, you are alive in the spirit if Christ is in you. Otherwise, you're still in the flesh. 
You can't please God. You're outside of Christ. You don't belong to him. You don't know him yet. You have no hope of salvation. You need to be born again. But once you have set your hope in Christ, who is you? Crucified for your sin, who became your sin, died, buried, resurrected, right? Unless you have fully believed on him for your salvation and submitted your will for him to be your Lord, then you don't belong to him yet. But if you belong to him, you are in the spirit, free from the obligations of the power of the flesh and of sin. The law of sin does not have to control you anymore. Beforehand, if you're in the flesh, you are a slave to sin. You can't do anything about it. You are condemned already. That's what Jesus says. I didn't come to condemn you. The world's condemned already. I came to save you. I came to save those that would believe in me and follow me, forsaking their whole life, forsaking everything else, serving me beyond every other attachment. You belong to me. I belong to you, period. This is really important. So you're in the spirit, but you can still walk according to the flesh. That's where we see all these problems. You can still walk according to your own nature. People, some people say, well, that's been crucified. That's not the issue. Well, no, that's not what the Bible teaches. <laughs> your physical body still has sensual desires that you can submit to. The scriptures are very clear in its language here. Though you have everything already now in Christ, you are free, you're seated in heaven, you're a new creation, but there is still a reality. The legal power, the legal authority in the spirit of sin and death and of the flesh has been removed. It's still operative until you put on the incorruptible, until you get a new body, right? There are still things at play here that we have a choice to walk in. That's why life is a, a walk of faith. We have to learn to live by the truth, live in the spirit, walk in the spirit. So we're in the spirit. We need to learn to keep in step with the spirit. That's what the scriptures say, right? Thank you. <laughs> Glad you said yes. You are in the spirit. You must learn to walk by the spirit. Hear me. This is part of how you need to train and discipline your life. This is called growing up in the grace of God. If you don't learn to walk in the spirit, you stay a carnal Christian. They can move in gifts, can move in all kinds of stuff. Know the truth, but you stay immature and you'll only live on spiritual milk and you won't get the greater, later, wonderful things in the kingdom. And you'll still stay immature, which means you'll be tossed to and fro, manipulated by emotions, confused by all kinds of trickery and doctrines and weird philosophies and wrong teaching. You will stay there if you don't learn to walk in the spirit. You'll never grow up and you're called to grow up. I'm called to grow up. It's unacceptable to be 30 years in the Lord and still be in spiritual diapers. Unacceptable. That means you become dull of hearing. You become unfruitful in your knowledge of God. That's what the scriptures say. I'm just telling you what it says. Peter tells us, men, if these qualities and attributes are not abounding, increasing, multiplying in your life, ever growing in your life, it says literally you're, un you're barren and unfruitful in your knowledge of God. You've not taken what you know to be true and actually lived it. You've been a hearer of the word and not a doer, and you've deceived yourself, and now you're just stuck in religion. You have a form of godliness. You deny the power for real transformation that's available to you. That's what it says. And it's because we forgot that we were cleansed from our former sins. We forgot the sufficiency that the cross has given us, the freedom that we have right now. Man, he's good. So we need to learn to walk in the spirit. So Galatians 6 says, God will not be mocked. Listen, if you sow to the flesh... From the flesh, you will reap destruction. But if you sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. From the Spirit. 
in Romans 8, it says the same thing. Listen, those that walk according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. Those that walk according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. The mindset on the flesh is destruction, is death. Fruits of death in your life, oppression, depression. You think that comes from God? You think fear like that comes from God? You think worry and insecurity comes from God? You think hopelessness and despair comes from God? Anxiety comes from God? You better say no. Those that walk in the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit, and the mindset on the spirit is peace, life and peace. That's the kingdom, peace, joy, righteousness, wholeness, sound relationship, sound life, living and overcoming reality, right? In our freedom in Christ, we can actually still live according to the pattern of the flesh, right? So we have to take heed to how we walk, not be foolish, but be wise, understanding the will of the Lord. And the scripture tells us how to do it. Be filled with the spirit. This is important. In Romans 2, it talks about, again, that the power of the gospel, this theme over and over in the word of God, that God will repay us according to the deeds done in the body, without partiality, whether you're saved or not saved, you will receive, you will reap what we have sown in this life. Listen to me. Those that know him and walk with him are saved from his wrath, but your reward is based on what you have sown in this life. This is really important. In Romans 2, it talks about those that there's honor and glory and peace for those that seek eternal life and immortality because they're persistently doing good. They're not earning salvation. Their life is demonstrating that they're after the truth. They're after life. But it says, but the stubborn, self-seeking who reject the truth have unrepentant hearts and follow evil literally are storing up wrath and anger of the Lord. They, the Lord will repay each person according to their deeds. There is no cross for those that love their sin. This is important. This is why we're continually exhorted to not be deceived. Those that continually practice evil have no inheritance in the kingdom. God expects a return on his investment. He says, do not take my grace in vain. The Lord is after a return if he's, he doesn't want what he's giving you to prove worthless. Paul, laboring with all the churches, says, I'm coming to you and I'm hoping that my labor among you was not in vain. Even though there was authentic conversion, real experiences with God, real initial sincerity that started well, they didn't end well. He's saying, I hope it's not in vain. Galatians, they started well in the spirit, but they tried to be perfected in the flesh, doing it on their own strength. They fell from grace. They lost sight of the fullness that God gave them because they started mixing it with other things they had to do. Listen, as we pilgrim through life, we really are storing up for the age to come. The scriptures say if you... Walk after the spirit, you will not gratify the simple desires of the flesh. Right? The Lord tells us to sow and to store up treasures in heaven and not on the earth. To look to the eternal reward. We're meant to live in the fear of God with an eternal perspective. When it comes to ministry, i got to wrap up. We have a ministry of the spirit. It's not talk, it's power. Right? Paul talks about there's always death going about in my body so that life goes about in you. This is a cycle of sowing and reaping. Really important. When it comes to using your spiritual gifts, you must use and activate the gifts God's given you and serve each other. If you are not sowing in the development of your gifts, you will not reap more. You will not increase in ability, capacity, competency. 
Come on. The Bible says use the grace of God I've given you. Put it to work. Put it to action. Serve. I gave what I gave you for service. Are you doing that? Are you sowing with your gifts? Be a steward of the manifold grace of God that you've received. Come on. The Bible says fan into flame the gift of God in you. Stir it up. We have a partnership in this. That is sowing. Sow in the spirit by using your gifts. Sow in the spirit and using your gifts and you will reap more. You know, when it comes to personal revival, corporate revival, I love what Charles Finney says. He's a revivalist. He says, it's as sure as a crop, as sure as farming. We're confident that things will spring up when seed is planted in the ground. And so revival will also come when we sow ourselves into the ground through repentance and earnestly seeking God. What we're asking for God is the result of sowing. Progress and growth comes as we sow to the Spirit. From the Spirit we reap. That's important. It's, it's a call to sow, to sow. The scriptures say times of refreshing come from his presence as we repent, as we turn from wicked ways, as we sow in faith, as we forsake old ways, give ourselves to him, invest ourselves sacrificially. There is return from God. Let's stand together. There's some calls to action here. How do we continue to sow in the spirit? How do you continue to grow in this season? To be hungry for the things of the Lord. Do you want more? Do you want more? Do you want to be a fruitful vine? Do you want to grow in godliness? Grow in overcoming victory? Friends, there's things that we need to sow into. We need to like get excited about like, whoa, investing. I'm investing. I'm investing. And you can have confident hope that there will be return. We don't always know what that return is going to look like. Right? But when we sow, God is not unjust. Come on, God's faithful. God will not be mocked. You will reap what you've sown in due season if you don't lose heart. Listen to me. You will reap what you have sown in due season if you do not lose heart. You can't shrink back. You can't throw away your confidence. You must trust God who sees you, who knows you. I love what it says in Hebrews 6, that God is not unjust to forget your labor of love that you've shown towards his name and his people. He will reward you. He will bless you. Here's some things that we can do. One, we have to sow to the spirit and break up the foul ground through repentance and renouncing every form of darkness. Guys, some of you are so passive when it comes to attacking the things that hinder you. You just let it beat you up. You let it just beat you up in your mind and you stay so internally bound, you don't go on the attack. You, and part of it is because you think it's you. You're identifying so deeply with your sin, you have forgot what God has said to you and about you. You're not contending with God's promise. You're not holding on to the fact that you're chosen, beloved, called holy, justified by faith. You are called to throw off every weight, sin, entanglement that easily besets you and pulls you away. You have to throw it off. You've got to go on the attack, friends, and look unto Jesus. As we move forward, look at how you can practice the truth. What truths are God speaking to you right now? Where is the greatest need in your life? What's the truth around that? How are you actually giving yourself to obey it and practice it? Jesus said, those that have come to the light practice the truth. Come on. There's something we are implementing by the Spirit. I want to encourage you to pray in the Spirit. Be filled. Be filled continually. Come on. The Scripture says, don't be drunk with wine. That's wasteful living. That's debauchery. 
but be continually filled with the Spirit. Come on, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's you got to do that. Be filled with the Spirit every day. Every day. All through the day. Come on, the tap's always open, friend. It's wide open. Be devoted to good works. Want to sow to the Spirit? Do good works. Not to earn salvation. You're sowing in faith. Doing what's right. Doing good. Meeting the needs of others. That is sowing. God sees that. It's like alms and incense to God. All the whole book of Titus says like eight, ten times. Be devoted to good works. I've redeemed you to be zealous for good works. Be careful to be devoted to good works. Keep doing that. The Lord sees. He knows how that sows the gospel. To even bear witness to him to cause the reaping of a harvest. When you sow seeds of love and service to others, words of encouragement, meeting real needs, you're sowing. And you better understand that you're going to reap salvation. You're going to reap breakthroughs for people. Sure up the places where you're undisciplined in the place of being godly. Rejoice in Christ. That's another real action. I'm not saying just, hey, rejoice in Christ. I mean, like, take time to look at his face and thank him. To, like, enjoy him. Let yourself be enjoyed by him. What? God enjoys me? Yeah, he does. That's something really practical you can do in prayer. God, teach me to marvel at you, to delight in you. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Come on, I just want to respond say, God, I want to sow my life. I want to reap an abundant harvest and increasing grace in my life. Whether that's finances in your life, whether that's greater character in your life, whether that's souls to be saved, it means you must sacrificially sow if you want an abundant harvest. If you've not sown into the ground, if you've not really given it away, do not expect to reap, friends. Where are you withholding from the Lord? Where are you kind of being half-hearted? I just challenge you to commit to sowing in the spirit, sowing into relationships, sowing into souls, sowing strategically, sacrificially, with joyful expectation of God who will reward, God who will cause you to reap. Come on, let's just respond to this for a moment. Lord, teach us to sow in the spirit. Lord, teach us to take command of our life. Teach us to not be passive in our devotion. Teach us to not be passive and just expect you to do everything for us. Teach us to lay hold of the grace you've given us already and how to strategically steward it and invest it to put it to work. Come on, Paul says, I strenuously strive more than everybody according to the power working in me. He strives in the grace of God to sow, to pour himself out like a drink offering. Because he knew that there was a crown, there was a reward, there was something God has for him. Do you want the blessing? And listen, John had a vision earlier too about Jacob wrestling with the angel. And he said, listen, some of you are in a wrestle with God or you're invited into a wrestle. Jacob contended for the blessing. He would not let go in the fight until God blessed him. I believe some of you need to wrestle to give yourself away to a new new place. There's a blessing in the struggle. Continue to give yourself in surrender. Continue to give yourself in obedience. Do not grow weary in well-doing. 
Come on, let's just respond. Pray into this for a moment.